0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Gold. From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele. Our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. Nail and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Gold. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.
1: everyone welcome to Prospects 101 the show where we break down football prospects from all levels high school college recruiting college transfers and NFL prospects as always Prospects 101 is brought to you by our great partners and big supporters of the show Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online remember you can interact with Prospects 101 on all social medias Facebook Twitter and Instagram at Prospects 101 Pod Today, we're continuing our ACC preview week and going over NFL prospects within the conference. I'm Kenny Keller, and and as always, I'm joined by hotel expert Brandon
2: Pastel. I like a good hotel that has a lot of extra room and a good... A good made-to-order breakfast, and that would be the Embassy Suites. Now, unfortunately, with COVID nineteen, I'm not getting that made-to-order breakfast. But still, if you're looking for a good hotel, Embassy Suites. Embassy Suites, there you go,
1: fans. And hey, Embassy Suites, if you're listening, we're always open for additional sponsorship. <laughs> that's
3: right. That's right.
1: And I'm also joined by a guy who's playing less than a hundred percent today, and that's Brandon Glessner.
3: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was a. It was another one out there yesterday, but it was a good time. I, I actually don't feel that bad. Yesterday was a lot worse, but. Got got some good sleep. Got some Z's in. So. Who are you hanging out with? Former co-host Riley Bradshaw yesterday.
2: <laughs>
3: How's he feel? <laughs> <laughs> he probably feels as worse than I do. <laughs> by the By the looks of it, and What's by the sound. A- but, but back to hotels real quick. Brandon, are you a uh, are you a hotel brand snob? No, I'm not. Uh, now I will say that I do find myself going
2: to more Hilton's because of the benefits you get for it, man. Like, not only do I, I, I get free room upgrades, so for Embassy Suites, you get free alcohol, too, from 5.30 to 7.30. So I really yeah, look at, like, what it. they offer you. I have to have a pool, especially during the summertime. Like, I don't know how people go to hotels without a pool during the summertime. So I look more – I guess not uh, benefits, more for the amenities is what I'm looking for.
3: I find myself kind of changed a little bit uh, just over the years, but but I will say that – I am a hotel snob. I won't stay at anywhere that's, like, not three-star and above. Like, if I've got to get to my room and it's an outdoor door, you, you know what I mean? Like, the door is outside. Yes. Yeah, no not, like, way. inside a building. Absolutely not. I will drive another 20 miles until I find, like, a Hampton Inn or something so, and then I know what I'm getting. I will not do I, – I don't skimp on price for hotels because same. I just – I, I just don't do it.
2: So you're an urban winery enthusiast
3: and a hotel snob. You know what? I like to spend that cash, bro. I make a lot of cash, so I like to spend that cash. Hey,
1: hey, you and I aren't the only one. I remember Pastel and I were planning a trip somewhere, and I don't remember where we were. Oh, we were looking to go to Tampa for the XFL, and Brandon was like – and Pastel was like, Pastel was like, dude, look at these cheap motels we can stay in instead of just driving back. And I was like, dude, I'm not staying in those motels. Not happening. Like, you can. We'll drive separate.
3: Those are the motels with, like, hourly rates. Yeah, not yeah.
1: happening. They were, like – it was, like, a spinning 40, bed, it was like 40 <laughs> bucks for a night, and I was, like, nope.
3: I, do you think any of those beds exist anymore that you could, like, put a quarter in it, like, vibrates? Oh, gross. You got to find know, out, man. How I, well, I won't be finding out because you will not find me in one of those hotels that would even have them. <laughs> Zero <laughs> chance. 50
0: chance. What? Well, chance.
3: Look, Gilles, I'm glad you got your
1: Zs last night because we've got a packed show today, and we're talking about a lot of NFL prospects here in the ACC, and let's get right to it. Pastel, why don't you kick us off in the coastal
2: side? Yeah, so for the coastal side, I kind of just wanted to break us up by day one, day two, and day three players, but the ACC in general, let's, not, let's be honest with ourselves, they're kind of up and coming right now. I do believe that the ACC is getting stronger and stronger by the year when it's probably been down for arguably the last five, and I say that it's kind of funny because Clemson's won a couple of national championships and been to a few, but really outside of Clemson, they're an outlier at this point. The ACC's been real weak, but coming into this year, they're going to be a lot stronger, and he's going to be led by players like Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. He's six foot two, 207 pounds. He's going to be in that conversation for, you know, top cor- cornerback, but probably, you know, top two, top three, but he's got excellent ball skills. You know, we, we've talked about previous segments about his – transformation from a wide receiver after an injury to the defensive back position and he struggled a little bit his sophomore year but really came onto the scene last year and just dominated from the cornerback position and he's going to come in next year and I I mean, he had what he had four picks last year. If you combine his picks and his pass uh, passes uh, break, pass breakups, he led the entire ACC in passes defended with I think about sixteen or fifteen pass defense defended. So kind of just have to show with his uh, ball skills and his ability to really play that zone coverage. Now we've talked about this before as well. Like he's a very good zone coverage cor- corner. Um, he could be better in man, but he really hasn't been given the opportunity that you usually see with the Virginia Tech defense. So I'm really curious to see what uh, the new defensive coordinator mm-hmm. Justin Hamilton how they utilize him. Uh, this upcoming year. The other player we got is Gregory Rousseau, big-time player from Miami, 6'6", 260. Outside of Chase Young last year, he was probably the best rush edge uh, defender out there in college football. I mean, he had 15 and a half sacks. And really, it was pure just, you know, his motor and his natural ability to get after the quarterback. I mean, the guy really showed no technique or ability to, like, really use moves to get to the quarterback. So now, if I'm a head coach for the NFL level and I'm able to harness that athletic ability and really teach him a move or two and kind of use his hands and hand, pl- hand placement a little bit better, I think the sky is the limit for Rousseau. Now, the only thing that's kind of, like, questionable about him is he did a lot of this big-time production versus weak teams. And he really didn't have that explosive of a first step either. So I am a little bit more curious when he goes against some of these big-time right tackles and left tackles, how does he do for some? And mm-hmm. I think this is a big year for him to go ahead and uh, be able to do that. And then I'm going to go ahead and down, keep going down the uh, interior defensive line. Jalen Twyman, I think he's got uh, first-round ability. He's six foot two, 290. And, of course, everyone's going to start thinking Aaron Donald. You know why? Because Aaron Donald wore the number 97 at Pittsburgh. <laughs> and, honestly, they've had similar careers. Aaron, Aaron Donald's, you know, a sack or two above him, a few more tackles every year, but very, very similar careers. I don't think Twyman is Aaron Donald. I mean, I don't think any prospect ever is. It's, it's almost impossible to say there is a guy out there like him, but – He's like, I guess, the poor man's version of him. I mean, The guy, he had 10 and a half sacks last year, which is really only half sack from mm-hmm. Aaron Donald's career high mm-hmm. or season high. He was extremely athletic in the pass game. I think he could be a better uh, run defender as well as his uh, gap assignment, like the ability to control the gap and not even attack the passer, but, you know, kind of maintain gap control. I think he could do a better job at that. But again, he's still he's still young. He's a little bit underweight, I would say, for you know a one and a three technique. I think he needs to gain about ten more pounds, really at that two eighty five, two ninety range. Like he needs to get to that three hundred to really increase his strength in in the run game, because he's got the pass rush game. But if you want to be a three down player, I think you got to maintain you know gap control as well. So those are the three guys, three or four guys, I think uh, in the ACC uh, Coastal Division that could be a day one player.
1: I got to say, in, in his. His comparison to Aaron Donald it goes more than just where ninety seven and what college they went to as well. I mean he's six two two ninety. Aaron Donald guys is six one two eighty, and he's the most, he really yeah he's that's what I was saying. When I saw his size I was like he's like an exact clone size wise of Aaron Donald. He's even a little bigger because Aaron Donald is – that's what that's why Aaron Donald slipped to 13 in the draft because everybody was so concerned about his size. I mean, but he's obviously negated that because he's the just most incredible defensive tackle we've seen probably of our generation. But, yeah, so very, very, very eerie on how many comparisons they have uh, between Twyman and, and Aaron Donald. But I got to say, from just looking at glancing at your early picks for the Coastal Division, it's definitely defensive heavy. That's for sure. Not a lot of Not a lot of offensive guys, you know, at least day one-wise in the – Coastal, but now Gless on the other side in the Atlantic. That couldn't be further from the tr- truth in day one. What are, What are your day one picks?
3: Yeah, day one's are really going to come to no surprise, and it's really highlighted by by two Clemson players. You know, first one obviously being Trevor Lawrence. Anticipated Trevor Lawrence will be the first player taken in the draft. Uh, really kind of a generational quarterback, guys. I mean, the way that, you know, his size being 6'6", 220, he's got a rocket for an arm, and he's just a really great athlete as well. I I think a lot of people lose sight of how good of an athlete he is. I mean, rushing-wise, he's getting anywhere from, you know, double-digit attempts per game um, because they do use him that way. And, you know, I I was having a conversation with the – uh, a coaching buddy of mine last night. And, you know, a lot of these systems, the reason that, you know, they're not afraid to use Trevor Lawrence like this is because he is a part of that offense. And when you have to account for all 11 players, that really puts a lot of stress on the defense, which is why Clemson's able to hit so many big plays. You got to love his arm strength. You got to love his accuracy. I mean, there's, gosh, there's really not much to say more about Trevor Lawrence other than you know, again, he's probably the best quarterback that we've seen come out since Andrew Luck. Um, and then before that, maybe Peyton Manning. So excited to see kind of where he's going to end up. He's going to have a pro career. If there's only one thing I'm just a tad bit concerned of, I look at the uh, national semifinal and I look at the final um, national semifinal. I had a 54% completion rating against Ohio State and then had a 48% completion rating against LSU his uh, career he's about 65 so again you get some really great competition and those numbers went down significantly the other thing is I, I mean I'm just watching the LSU game like firsthand 18 for 17 for 230 no touchdowns I, I mean he just looked he just looked lost there in the second half a lot of incomplete passes he wasn't accurate so I'm hoping to see him have a really nice bounce back 2020. Um, that's the only thing that just kind of in my mind I'm, I'm keeping on. Again, we're all human. We're allowed to have a bad game, but he just happened to have a bad game on the biggest stage against the best team that he played. So just something to keep in mind there. Another guy probably the I, – I think it's between him and Najee Harris, but I think Travis Etienne is a day one running back. Guys, home run threat anytime he gets the ball is about five ten, two ten. Um, he's a guy that can hit the hole with incredible force, incredible power, um, and he can also slip through. And once you get him in the open field, he's extremely difficult to catch up to. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just pulling away from defenders all the time. I think it's either him, like a, either him or Harris, that'll be the first running back taken. Um, but a lot of people think Etienne will. Had a great 2019. 7.8 average, um, 19 touchdowns in about 1600 yards. So he's definitely a workhorse. Definitely can handle. I think he is a three three down back in the NFL. One thing he probably has to improve just a little bit more is his pass get, pass catching. It's not that they don't use him. It's not that he can't catch pass out of the backfield. It's the fact that Clemson doesn't utilize him that way. Like they don't ask him to do that. So I'd like to see the 2020. Uh, Clemson offense see if they have Etienne be a little bit more of a pass catcher and and if he can prove that then I think he's a can't miss three down back in the NFL and then my my third ACC player here more than likely the first defensive tackle taken off the board it'll be Marvin Wilson from Florida State had a great 2019 uh, five sacks 19 tackles he's incredibly athletic guys out of all the defensive tackles, he can do it all, and he kind of gives you that wow fa- that wow factor. He really shows flashes of dominance. You know, compare him to, you know, like, you know, when you watch Derrick Brown play coming out this this last year, there were times that Derrick Brown would just take over a game, and you're like, there's nothing I can do. Marvin Wilson shows similar type of characteristics there, and he certainly has the size too. Um, I love his pass rush; he reminds me a lot of uh, Jerron Reed for the Seattle Seahawks. And I think if you're going to get a uh, defensive tackle in the first round compared to uh, Jerron Reed, I think any team would sign up for that. Um, Again, he really dominates against bad competition, but I haven't seen him be dominant against really great competition. And then he just needs to be more consistent um, against the run game. I think he's an incredible plus plus. Plus rusher to pat or a plus pass rusher. He just needs to be more consistent in the run game. Mm-hmm. But look, the talent's there, the athleticism's there, the dominance is there for him to be a day one defensive uh, defensive tackle pick.
1: Yeah, and at, and at six five three eleven, he definitely has the size you you would like to see in a in a defensive tackle. And like you said, he missed to show up a little bit better on the run game. And people got to realize too. Yeah, he had he had eight and a half tackles for loss. Five sacks, But that was only in nine games last year. He actually led the country in tackles for defensive linemen until he got hurt. So it'd be nice to see him put together a full season this year. And obviously, you said there's only so much we can talk about Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne that hasn't been said by the national media or anybody else and their brother already. Um,
2: I think I think it was a great list. I got one point on that, though. I will say when you're underneath the microscope so long, which is exactly what Trevor Lawrence has been, it's almost like people are now just looking for negatives. Mm-hmm. Like I think you can't highlight enough the positives about this guy as a prospect, but I think recently what we've been seeing is well, kind of with Gless, to your point, like we're looking at the lows of his career and just trying to find the flaws for him when really like, people just need to almost stop in the sense of like, this guy is one of the best prospects we've ever seen, and he's been that way since high school. Yep,
3: yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That That's fair. I mean, it, it, that almost comes to the territory with a guy who's going to be the number one pick is everybody wants to look through every lens. It's just naturally what people do. But, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, look, the dude had a bad game. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, it happens, against, right? Against seasons.
1: against the arguably the greatest college football team of all time. Yeah. I mean, because let's not forget he torched Alabama the year before the national championship. He so. did. Yep. That's yeah. True. Yeah. So I mean this is what it is. You know, people have bad games. It it is what it is. But switching over to the day two side and Pastel, you're you're starting with a guy who I think as of right now is a day two player, but I think a hundred and ten percent if he has the year he had last year or even improves slightly on the year he had last year with his how raw he is at the position i think he'll be an easy day 1 player. Why don't you start us off with your day
2: 2 guys? Yeah, so we got linebacker Chas Surratt from mm-hmm. North Carolina and he's the phenomenal phenomenal linebacker. And i I'll be guilty. I didn't know who this kid was until the off season. Not once i started going back and like really watching North Carolina film, he is all over that defense. And he is absolutely everything you want in a linebacker. He's 6 foot 3, 230, excellent size for today's NFL. He's got outstanding uh, physical traits as far as his speed and mobility, his ability to fill gaps, his ability to rush, and his ability to stay in, in pass coverage. Honestly, the only thing he needs to do is understand his, own, his responsibilities a little bit better. Like he, like you said, Kenny, he's just so new at the position. I mean, he, really, he did nothing the last two years, and then last year he jumps on the scene with 115 tackles, six and a half sacks, a fumble recovery, first fu- forced fumble, and an interception. So, I mean, all he has to do is continue to learn, develop his own game, understand his res- responsibilities a little bit better. And you're right, he could be one of the top linebackers in the NFL draft next year. And just kind of keep moving on on the offensive side, my first offensive player really, is uh, a center <laughs> from the University of Pittsburgh, Jimmy Morrissey. I think he is probably one of those guys you haven't heard too much about, but outside of the big dogs from, you know, Oklahoma and Alabama, I think he's probably that third or fourth center to come off the board. I got him as a third-round pick. He's 6'2", 305, which is okay for a center. You don't have to be 6'5", 6'6", as a center. I think you just got to be – Really smart and control that line, and that's exactly what Jimmy is. Mm-hmm. Continuing to move on down, we got the freakish linebacker prospect and Charles Snowden from the University of Virginia. This guy's six foot seven, 235 pounds. Obviously, he's got great length. He's a but the, the thing about him is, I think people don't think he's a very good run defender. Where I, I would argue that's his best game is his mm-hmm. ability to be uh, a run defender. He's, he's strong enough to shut off the blocks. He has the ability to, be, to drop back in zone coverage. But the only thing with him. When he drops back in zone coverage, when you look at the film, is he's not very smooth. Like, and that that, that makes sense, right? He's six foot seven. I mean, he's a lanky guy. Like, but mm-hmm. if he can get better, you know, lower to the to the ground, and kind of use his back pedaling ability to really get back in his zone coverage, I think that's something that he has to continue to work on. In addition to continue to just add mass. Like, I mean, two thirty five sounds like a lot, but when you're six foot seven, that's really not. That's a pretty lean yeah. guy. So I think he needs to continue to, you know, develop his pass coverage game with his ability to drop back in zone coverage and and add some some mass. And you can always develop a better pass rush. I mean, last year he had, I mean, that's that's one thing. He's been very consistent. He had 72 tackles last year, 62 tackles the year before that. Uh, he's had about five sacks and 2.5 the year before that. Mm-hmm. So decent decent prospect from linebacker. He's one of those guys. It's, it's really hard for me to put a grade on him. Like I see him having the ability to jump up to the first. I see him having the ability to drop back to the six. Like he. Has to have a good year to really maintain his his draft stock. Mm-hmm. Now the other guy I am not having that many questions on. and That's Quincy Roche. Like he's not going to fall out of the second round. I mean, he's six foot four, two hundred thirty five. It might be one of the most pure pass rushers we have in NCAA football this year. He's a transfer from Temple. He went to Miami. The only thing that he has to do is just add some freaking weight. Like <laughs> you got the body size, you got the frame. Just add some weight. He had the most pressures in college football last year, and I know it's at Temple, but. You're still doing that. You're still if you're that productive. I don't really care what level you're at because you I mean he still played some big time games. So just add some weight, man. He's got he's got the the ability to stop the run, even you know slightly underweight. He's got a good inside out pass rushing move. He uses his hands well. I really do have zero questions about this guy outside. I just hey gain some weight and, and maintain your athleticism, and I think you will absolutely be a day two pick if not day one. Other guy I got, you know. Hey, this might be tight end you guys got Jeremy Shockey, Greg Olson, Jimmy Graham, David Njoku, and the next guy is Brevin Jordan, the six foot go. three, 245 pound. And he's probably one of the most highly touted tight ends we've seen, mind you, in the last last few years. And I think he's pretty young too. He, he might only be 19, 20 years old coming to his true junior year. And he, he had a pretty good year last year. What did he have? He had about 500 yards receiving, 35 mm-hmm. receptions. And hey, he, guys, he led all power five t- tight ends. With a minimum of 45 targets in yards after a catch, so that just goes to show like he's kind of that natural running back after he catches the football, and that's really he he has he has to almost master that because that's who he is. He's that guy. Get the ball to him quickly and let him make a move and kind of just get those five ten yards as a tight end. He needs to do a little bit better of his end line blocking, and he's not that stereotypical, which I think you would see in today's NFL more that six foot four six foot five tight end. He's a little bit undersized, mm-hmm. which is a little bit crazy for me to say considering he's six foot three. But he's probably the third best tight end in you know next year's draft after Pat Fryer, Muth, and uh, was it Frank's from Florida? Yeah, uh, Pitts Kyle Pitts. Pitts Kyle Pitts. Sorry, but yeah, that kind of rounds out my day two players for the Coastal Division.
1: Who, Brandon? Who is the guy? Or, or give me give me one player who you think has the biggest arrow pointing up, and one player who has the who could
2: potentially have the biggest arrow or biggest drop in stock out of the day two players. Well, I kind of said it as I, as I was kind of breaking these guys down. Chad Surratt is absolutely, I and mean, he came onto the scene in a big way last year. And he, his, I mean, he'll forget sometimes his brother is the, you know, say Surratt, the wide receiver for, for, for Wake Forest. And you kind of see in both these guys' ability, they have the natural ability to go out there and be big time players. I mean, both these guys, they could be the Surratts, they could be the, you know, the next pair of brothers to get drafted in the first round. Who mm-hmm. I think the last uh, set of brothers like that was the Edmund Brothers a couple of years ago from Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. So I think his stock is definitely trending up. I can't imagine what he did last year was a a farce and that he's going to fall too much. But the guy that I think has the ability to really fall is Charles Snowden. I mean, he's one of those guys, like, he's not positionless, but he is a hard person to kind of really put your finger on. I think coaches are going to be enamored with his size, length, and his strength more or less, but he's got to get better in Mm -hmm. in the sense that you can't be a two-down linebacker at that size. And right now with his ability to cut – in coverage, it's hit or miss right now. He he shows up some games, and then he doesn't show up the next few games. So he's got to be more consistent, and he's really got to develop that technique. And Mm -hmm. even though he's been somewhat consistent overall as far as stats, he's not very consistent game to game. So that's something that I think he has to improve on, or else his his draft stock will drop. Gotcha.
1: There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BlueWire for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BlueWire. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Now, Gless, moving over to the Atlantic division, you have a prospect who might honestly be my favorite prospect that's not in a Wake Forest uniform and might be my favorite player to watch in the ACC as well. And... and and it's truly because I love center field type free safeties. I love these rangy guys. Why don't you start us off with with your day two pick, uh, Andre Cisco, safety at Syracuse.
3: Yeah, I love Andre Cisco. I love his versatility. Um, you know, he can play deep center field. I, I see him in the NFL being kind of a a deep safety, not really a guy who's going to play in the box a whole lot, but he can play in the box and and he can cover as well. And he showed that guys as as a true freshman, led college football with seven interceptions and then backed it up by leading the ACC last year with five interceptions. So what I love about him too, is he's a true ball hawk. And I, I think when you have a guy who just has that natural ability to be around the ball and create turnovers. That's extremely valuable. So, I think that's kind of a really a plus for him at the safety spot. And there's not many safeties out there that that bring that type of turnover and playmaking and ball hawking abilities. So, love this kid. I think he's a can't miss day 2 pick and I think he'll go early day 2. Um, next guy, Boogie Bashman. We talked a little bit Boogie Bashman on a previous segment. Last year's 11 sacks. He ranked second in the ACC and 14 nationally, 6'5", 275. I love, I love the way he uses his hands. I love the, his bull rush move. And he's extremely athletic for a guy's size. And the other thing about his if you watch film, he's had three extremely productive seasons at Wake. He's already six in program history with five and a half sacks, and he has uh, 31 career tackles for loss. So I think he's he's a day two pick, probably late second round, early third round. But you're gonna get incredible value from this guy because he can rush the passer, but he can also play on rundowns too. So he's not a guy that you know only go in on pass rush situations. He can play he can play all three downs in the NFL. Um, so a lot of value with Boogie Bashman. So love that. I figured you'd like that one, Kenny. So. <laughs> um um kind of uh, ending out day two, uh, not shocker, guys. They have two Clemson guys. Um, first one is a guy that we haven't talked about, uh former five-star recruit out of IMG Academy. It's Xavier Davis. Um, <clears throat> you love his size. You love his speed, two, uh, 6'2", sixty. A strong side defensive end at the NFL um, just because of his size and the strength. And so what that means is basically he'll be lining up on the the side of the tight end the majority of the time. He just needs to put it together. I mean, he he shows flashes of complete and utter dominance. And then there's other times where he physically just he, he can't get on the field. Um and then when he's on the field he may not be productive. So you just you just need to be consistent. You know, in 2019 had a total of twenty seven tackles, ten of those were solos, only two sacks. But if you look at what you see on film on those sacks, you're like, oh, my gosh, where did this kid come from? I, I see him if he comes out, be, go day two because his intangibles – I'm sorry, his, the, the tangibles, his 40 time, his speed, mm-hmm. his size. Like, he'll be a combine warrior and really kind of get off some draft boards. So, you know, with a big 2020, you know, he could easily be a, a third-round pick and easily move up to be a day one pick. In
2: my and, and you meant Xavier Thomas right now, Xavier Davis.
3: Oh, shoot. Did I say Davis? I'm sorry. Yes, Xavier <laughs> all Thomas. Good.
2: I was thinking, like, who's Xavier Davis on Clemson? Yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah, he's, he's a phenomenal. Xavier
3: Thomas, dude. He's, he's a beast. He's just got to put it all together. He just hadn't been able to be consistent yet. So excited for him, but he's certainly a, a an NFL player, no doubt about it. And then the kind of rounding out day two for me, uh, Jackson Carmen, offensive tackle, 6'6", 330. Physically, again, he has the tools. He has great feet, great hands a little bit more raw he needs some more work picking on some stunts but in the national semifinal paired up against Chase Young i mean he went toe to toe with that with him mm-hmm. and and i'm not going to say survived but he performed really well um you know against what a lot of people thought is a generational edge rusher that we may may not see for another 10 years so i think if you watch that film you'll like what you see if you're an NFL scout and you need a left tackle that has size, athleticism, and then you just look at who he's played against and you look at the boogie bashers of the world. You look at Chase Young, mm-hmm. you're going to like what you see because he performed extremely well on, on film for those guys. So um, that kind of rounds out day two for me. Gless, two things here.
1: One, the Xavier Davis thing, I get where your head was at, man. You you combined Xavier Thomas and Tyler Davis, and you created an ultimate prospect right <laughs> That's there on right. Clemson. Beastly I prospect. Love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it, except he would have been probably an easy day one pick instead of day two. <laughs> uh, but no, Gless, in, in seriousness, I want to ask, uh, who is the guy out of this list who could see his stock shoot up the most, and, and who's the guy whose stock could drop potentially the most?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. So I think Jackson Carmen probably has the most um upside when it comes to climbing up draft boards. I think with a really dominant 2020, he could easily be the first offensive tackle taken because he does have again, like like I said, physically he has the tools. He's athletic enough to be a every every Sunday starting left tackle in the NFL. But right now he just hasn't like there's just not enough game tape out there on him. And I I think he's just a little bit too raw to be taken in the first round. So, again, kind of shures that up, becomes a little bit bit more technical. I could easily see him being the first tackle taken. I'm sorry. I... (laughs) The second tackle taken, not the first one. Penny, Penny Sewell will be the first one taken off the board, but Jackson Carmen could be the second one, but could certainly be a first round pick. So I
2: was say, now that's a hot take. Yeah. yeah just, no, 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 no. I mean, no, no,
3: no. As soon as I said I was like, that's not right. Who else is there? I was like, oh yeah, Penny Soul. He's not, he's not overcoming Penny Sewell. I was saying, I think me and Pastel were loaded up on that one. Yeah. I was like, I was like, ah, oh, I was like, less. I was like, I don't know if that's going to be right. No, but he could be the second tackle taken and, and yeah. the, trend that we've seen, guys, in the NFL draft is we see a lot of tackles taken in round one. Mm-hmm. And the last two, three years it's been that way. I don't ever remember it being that way growing up or just, just as long as we've been following the draft. Yeah. I feel like finding ta- like cornerstone franchise offensive linemen. I mean, teams take those in the first round, and again, I think Jackson Carmen can be that way. Well, and it's not even that. It's just the fact that
2: they look at tackles, and they project them as guards as well. You don't really find too many guards that you can project as tackles, but I think a lot of NFL coaches, they see this, this tackle, and they're like, oh, he can play tackle, but if it doesn't work out, we can always kick him inside and be a guard. You don't really see that the opposite, so I think that's why there's a lot more value on the tackle position coming out of college for the and, NFL game.
1: And there's been a lot of movement recently about right tackles as well with the way the offenses are changing in the NFL and adapting and becoming more and more complex. The, the sense around the NFL is right tackles are becoming not quite as valuable as left tackles because the left tackle obviously is still protecting the blind side of the quarterback, but a lot of the reads and a lot of the RPO game, um, a lot of it, it, you need a right tackle who can not only – a right tackle back in the day just needed to be a, a road grader, needed to be a blocker. And now they're running a lot of stuff off a of right tackle as well and, and passing concepts, and, and now they need guys who can do both. And so I, I I think the right tackle position is catching up to the left tackle position. I think that's why we're seeing such a such a run on tackles in the first round now
3: these days. That's a great point there, just kind of going off of that. Brandy you've brought this up in other, se- uh, other segments, but I mean – On the defensive side of the ball, how the NFL is, I mean, you load up on corners and safeties in the secondary, and then you kind of have two big thumpers in the middle of defensive tackles, and then everybody else is just a pass rusher. Mm -hmm. And right, if you're going to be rushing the passer from the left, rushing the passer from the right, I mean, your right tackle is starting to become, to your point, Kenny, more and more important because of that factor as well. Well, there's always value
1: to be had in day three of the draft. I mean, you think of guys like Tom Brady, Terrell Davis, guys who are Hall of Famers who were selected, you know, fourth round and lower. I believe both were a sixth round pick. So, Pastel, why don't you kick us off? Who who are some, some day three guys that that headline the Coastal Division and
2: can be potential uh, impact players? Yeah, usually with these guys, it's either the guys that are, you know, 6'4", 250, but they haven't been able to put it at together in college or do you got the guys that are five foot ten you know and just been like complete studs in college there's always something that you didn't completely like about their game or their size but you loved other aspects so the first guy we got as a pair of virginia tech players we got linebacker Richard ashby he's probably one of the better linebackers from a production standpoint in the acc like, i wouldn't be surprised if he gets first team all acc he just won't project very well in the nfl he's five foot ten, two hundred and thirty five 235 pounds consistently a uh, very good tackler he had 120 119 tackles last year 105 the year before but he's a two down backer at the next level and really depending on really how you view the linebacker he might be a one down linebacker he's just a thumper in the game he's very instinctive in the run game but he can't cover he can't cover anybody out there man he just doesn't have the the athleticism to go out and do that so I think he's one of those guys that you get him on team probably a good special teams player Maybe someone can kind of help develop a little bit more of a coverage game to him, so you can get him on the field for a little bit longer. A little bit longer, because he is that valuable in the run game, and obviously you can use him for goal line defense and so forth. The next guy is the offensive lineman for Virginia Tech, Christian Dersal. He's one of those guys. Wasn't a very highly talented prospect coming in, where a lot of the other linemen on Virginia Tech's uh, team team is. He's one of those guys though that just consistently has started since his freshman year. The last three years, just been very consistent, very versatile. You can kick him in, like we talked about just previously, kick him in inside a guard. He can play both left and right tackle. He's one of those guys that's just been very healthy, very consistent, doesn't do anything really great, but he's, uh, he's just very consistent. And probably his best get- part of his game is pass protection, which, guess what, that's what translates right now in the NFL. I mean, when you pass 65% of the time in the NFL at this point, you got to have guys that can pass block. So I think you'll see a little bit of value with Christian D'Arisol. He's just, just got to keep on being a, a workout warrior and kind of develop a little bit more strength and – Hopefully uh, we can see his stock rise a little bit. And this mm-hmm. next guy, he probably could have gone to the NFL this past year. And there, at one point he was thinking about declaring, that's Paris Ford. He's the safety from Pittsburgh. He's probably really outside of uh, Twyman. He's really that next guy for that Pitt defense. He's probably one of the better defenses in the ACC, mm-hmm. ACC. So he led the team last year with 97 tackles. Extremely good in the running game. And that speaks to itself when you say you have a safety that has close to 100 tackles. Um, but he's also great in – in the past game, he had 14 passes defended with three picks. So, I mean, he's kind of right up there with Caleb Farley, which I just mentioned earlier. problem with him a little bit is he obviously is a little bit undersized. He's probably closer really to 5'11", 185. He also had two targeting penalties last year, so he probably has to kind of clean up his game a little bit. I mean, you just can't – you can't cost the defense that in the NFL. I mean, people get pulled when you keep targeting players. That, I mean, one, you have to get kicked off the for the rest of that game. You lose a half, if not the half the next – game. So he's got to clean up his game a little bit. He's got this athletic ability. He's not going to get any bigger. I mean, he doesn't have the frame for it. But he, mm-hmm. he's going to be a good special team player. Nickel, Nickel set to be able to go out there, but he, mm-hmm. he have a little bit of value in himself. Now I'm just going to kind of quickly rattle off a few more players. Coastal side, guys to keep an eye out on. you got Daimee Brown from North Carolina, extremely explosive. Had over 1,000 yards last year. He's six one, one ninety five. 195. Really has the ability to grow with Sam Howell. Sam Howell there at the, at the realm. Noah Taylor, linebacker for Virginia, he's another kind of like freak in the sense of he's 6'5". Very lightweight, though, 215, mm-hmm. 220, so he has to continue to uh, gain weight. But he's probably arguably the most instinctive linebacker on that defense To you know, over uh, Snowden. Another guy I think – I know Pro Football Focus loves this guy, Chris Rump from, uh, yes. from Duke. He's 6'3", 235. The guy – if you look at the uh, Pro Football Focus, how they grade pass rushers, he earned a 90 out of 100 and a 92 – out of 100 in his run defense and pass uh, rush grades, respectively. So this guy, I think he's really ascending. I know some players like him more than I do. You know, I mean, if you ask pro football focus, he's a day-two pick. So that's probably another guy to keep an eye on. And the last guy is another guy from Duke, and that's Noah Gray. He's 6'4", 240. He's been very consistent with, you know, 235 yards in 2018, close to 400 yards last year. He's one of those guys that probably doesn't he doesn't do anything special, but he does everything good. So kind of a late-round prospect that you know he's, he's going to be a good depth uh, player for your tight end t- position at the next level.
1: Yeah, I got to say I I watched some film on Noah Taylor. We were Gless and I were watching the UVA Louisville game, and Gless he was number fourteen. Do You remember that guy on the film? He was yeah, really really yeah he was really really impressive. In fact, all of Virginia's linebackers are impressive. They have middle linebacker. Uh, Number thirty-three, who was a monster, and then you have Snowden and Taylor as well. I think they they might be the best linebacking core, you know, maybe outside of probably Clemson uh, in the ACC. I'm really excited to see him see if he can take the next step and put on some weight. And then also from from a selfish standpoint, and I hate to say it because I'm the Wake Forest guy, but Deami Brown is probably my favorite player on this list because he totally carried me to a a fantasy football championship last year. Uh, What what an absolute monster! But pastel, looking at this list. Give me one guy who is either the biggest value, or is, or you wouldn't be surprised next year if all of a sudden in the second round we hear his name.
2: So, kind of as we define the safety position, I push Paris Ford down there as a day three pick because the safety position is just so deep. I mean, this is probably the most, the deepest safety class that we've seen in the last four or five years. Any other year, though, he's a day two pick, I think. So I could see him, if he can make a name for himself in that pit defense, which pit defense is going to be legit this year, if he can show his ability really to just be more of a, di- a dynamic playmaker uh, and a little bit more consistent, clean up his penalties, I could see him kind of ascending to the top as well.
1: So, Gless, flipping over to the other side on the Atlantic division, who were some guys that caught your eye for day three that could be some value picks?
3: Yeah, day three. I'm gonna mainly spend my time on, on this this one guy and Kenny. You and I watched his film this weekend, <laughs> by far the fastest kid on the field. Um, and that's two two well out of out of out of Louisville. Now, the the reason I have him as a day three pick is just because I think NFL teams are just gonna be very wary of his size. I mean, he's a tiny guy. I mean he's five, eight, hundred and sixty pounds. But his speed can't be denied, guys. I mean 427 40 time. He was actually a quarterback in high school at kind of the famous uh Miami Northwestern High School. Um set the single season a record holder for receiving yards last year at at Louisville. And, you know, which is which is saying something because I watched Louisville throw the ball in in some film against against UVA this week. Kenny and I sat down and, you know, mm-hmm. for about 2 hours and looked at that and they were horrendous. Throwing the ball. I mean, one of the worst passing games I can ever remember seeing a Power Five team have. And for him to be like set the single season record for receiving yards in that passing game shows you how dynamic he was because you get the ball in his hands and nobody could tackle him because he's outrunning everyone. So I think he's a guy that brings incredible value on day three. I'm not sure how you use this guy. Um, But he's certainly a guy that could be used on special teams, you know, on different gadget plays, could be used a lot in the RPO game because of his speed. What I'm saying is he's a weapon, and I think his size is going to deter some teams away from taking him earlier. But, I mean, you can't teach playmaking ability, and that's Mm -hmm. what he has. So I I really like Tutu Atwell a lot. Um, I... I, I hope he makes it because he's such a fun player to watch at the college level. Yeah, so, some other notables I have. Uh, it was hard for me to put if they were day two, day three, uh, but want to make sure that we talk about these guys. So I, I always screw up his first name. Is it Tamorian Timor, Terry? Yeah, and Terry. Uh, yep. Yeah, and Terry, receiver out of Florida State, six four, two ten. Again, we, you know, we've talked about this on other shows, but as the wide receiver position, the first wide receivers keep shrinking every single year. So you want to look for a tall guy, a guy who can go up and get the ball, has great ball skills. He is certainly that. I see him probably a day two pick somewhere, but I want to make sure we mention him. Uh, Hamsan Nas- Nasrinadine, uh, 6'4", 210 as well. Um, and that uh, uh, Nazrinadine, I'm sorry, I spelled his name wrong. Again, one of the best safety prospects in the draft. Don't know where he'll fall because he is a little bit of a unique guy with his size. So we'll see. I think he's kind of a tweener, more of a hybrid. But again, you know, led Florida State in tackles last year uh, from the safety position. That should probably tell you how good Florida State was. Um, but nonetheless, <laughs> was able to make plays. Um, and he's a guy that is certainly on NFL draft boards. Um, Javon Hawkins, running back out of Louisville. I really like this kid uh, after watching his film this week with Ke- uh, with Kenny as well. Shifty guy. He's generally breaking a tackler too. he He's got great vision. Really runs the zone scheme extremely well. And that's what they do at Louisville. Run a ton of outside zone which translate extreme, which translates to the NFL game well. So his great vision, really liked what I saw from him. And then the last guy'd be Des uh, Fitzpatrick, and he's another receiver out of Louisville. Um, Atwell gets a lot of the love, but Fitzpatrick is probably believe, the most complete receiver. Um, pretty underrated when it comes to his speed and his hands, uh, but he's definitely the best route runner. Um, and he'll probably finish his career at Louisville top five for uh, career receiving touchdowns. So mm-hmm. um, those are four guys to go along with Tutu Atwell that I think um, could be day two, day three, but you know also just some notables that we didn't mention earlier.
1: Yeah, and Gless, I think you hit the nail on the head of what I was talking about uh, in our ACC preview show. Team L- or Louisville can be team chaos. With that offense. I mean, you just named Tutu Atwell, Des Fitzpatrick, and, and Javion Hawkins, and it's just like there's so much production coming back on that offense. I'm so excited to watch it. Now, I'm used to this from Pastel Gless, so I would it would have been expected from him. But you, 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 you hurt my soul. You disappointed me today because you didn't even mention my boy, Sage Surratt, at all. And he's probably the be- second best receiver in the ACC, man. You're killing him. Who? Dis- Who is
2: this guy? <laughs> no. The disrespect is just. <laughs> I'm blatant, not going to lie. Man. That is
3: disrespect. All right, well, we'll put him there in the mentions. <laughs> I guess I, over- I overshot him, too, my B. Why, no, why you- don't you tell us about Sage Surratt? Go ahead. Yeah, so Let Sage I the mean. rocket.
1: So, Sage Surratt, before he got hurt last year, he played through nine games. He led the NCAA in receiving. He had 1,000 yards receiving, 11 touchdowns, and was absolutely on pace to become, you know, really an All-American at – not just the ACC level, but the entire NCAA. He's a big kid. He's got not elite speed. I would imagine he's probably going to run that uh, low four five to mid four five uh, range at at a combine or a pro day. So that's the one knock against him, and probably what's keeping him out from being a surefire day one pick. But this is a guy who can. He creates great separation. He can beat a jam. He can beat zone coverage. He's got great body control. Him and his brother. Ch- I mean, he, Sage was an all state basketball player he was actually a top recruit in basketball and decided to play receiver at wake forest versus play basketball at the d1 level and so he's got amazing hands and amazing body control and that just comes from being such a natural athlete again though i I see him being more of a day two guy i think he'll be a second round pick you know if maybe could sneak into the end of the first round if he if he shows he's got better speed and i think he plays faster than he's going to test so i think the test will probably hurt him just a little bit but again i think he's a solid day two guy and i know he i know pastel saying who by the way you love sage Surratt. don't even lie
2: i think he's i think he is a a, a good time big time receiver and kind of to your point earlier gluster you're like you're seeing a lot more receivers these days you know six foot six one and i, I think Surratt is probably what closer to six two six three mm-hmm so I think he is one of those guys that he's like the hybrid of the big, t- the big receiver, but he shows the ability to really play all over the field, intermediate routes, deep threat, run after the cat. Like you said, he just got, he's not the speedster that
3: you want to see, but he's also 6'3". He's not expected to be that guy. Right. N- another guy we didn't mention here, um, but something to keep an eye on. It's unfortunate just because he's coming off of ACL injury, but that would be Justin Ross as another guy from Clemson. Not on this list because he's not playing this year, um, but definitely got to keep an eye on around draft time. You know, maybe he tests out really well. I mean, his film's good. I'm um, just not going to have a 2020 season. He'll be able to play.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he'll be able to play again. I know there's a lot of questions around whether he'll ever be able to put on a helmet again with with just having that neck fusion injury and 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 that surgery he just had. So we really hope to get. We're, I hope that's not the case. I hope next year we hear he's cleared for football activities and we can see him in the in the NFL because for sure if he was playing this year and didn't have those question marks, he was a surefire first round pick, no question. And, guys, the ACC is – it's so tough to do this with and, and not spend two hours talking about prospects because I there's there's a handful of guys we left off, and we left them off because just, we just don't have that much time. I, and, you know, you run into this problem with a lot of the big conferences. But for those who say the ACC is down, I, I definitely urge you to – Go study these prospects. Go watch these prospects during the season and, and really catch a lot of ACC football if you're not an ACC football fan because there's talent to be had and there's talent to be seen. So, well, that does it for our ACC Prospects show. And. And as we continue with our ACC preview week, we got plenty of interviews coming your way. And just a reminder, you can follow and interact with the show on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Prospects101Pod. We're posting and interacting with our fans throughout the week. And you can also listen to us on your favorite podcast platform, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. You name it, we're on it. Subscribe and stay up to date with all of our episodes. A lot of great, like I said, a lot of great interviews and more content coming your way. Make sure to give us the five-star review as well. We really appreciate you spreading the word. I'm Kenny Keller for Brandon Glessner and for Brandon Pastel. Have a great day.